Are we live? Alive. Good podcast, that Thomas. Very good podcast. That was that was a long one. We've just spent a whole hour and fifteen minutes talking golf. Mm. Some uh, some topical. Some I think very informative. Definitely, if you can the the last podcast and this one, if you couple them together, you're in for a treat. Yeah, good two hours of uh, of podcasting those two put together. Defo. Right then, with further ado, roll the title, Tom. Go for it. Play that funky music. Right then, Matt, really good episode last week talking about stats and I'm going to throw a scenario at you today because I've been the perfect student. I've played five secret rounds of golf in lockdown and kept my stats. Tiger Woods, 2001. Yeah. Uh, It turns out I'm not too bad at a lot of parts of the game, but where I do let myself down, where I can gain some more shots is above 100 yards. I seem to be missing a couple of greens to the right. So Above 100 yards. Yeah, anything over 100 yards. But then also when you look at my stats and take into account on my course, it's fairly short. I've been decent off the tee. It's not very often I have an approach shot over 150 either. So I assume that it's between the 100 and 150 I need to focus on. But my question to you is now, well, what, what next? What do I do with the information I've just got over the last week? Um, well, after watching the golf on Sunday, what I would suggest is Bryson's having a pretty good uh, run of things. So start eating loads of meat, smash it as hard as you can, and you'll never have a shot in from less than 100 again. So get closer than Yeah, just get closer. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Job done. Right. That's the end of the podcast for the week. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, what I would say is that now that you've you know, you've know, got your stats and you've identified the, the weakness in your, in your armour, as it were, you need to go and work on that. You'd also need to be aware that it's not just all your practice now is going to be solely focused on this one area i think some people would do a great job like you've done see this sort of um area jumping off the page at them and think right that's it that's all i need to do but you've got to understand that like as we can see from your stuff that you've got there you're a good driver of the golf ball you're a good pitcher of the golf ball um good putter so you, you need to maintain those levels whilst getting your 100 yards to 150 up to the same level. So it would be now up to whether you're working with a coach or yourself or however you go about it. Um, you devise a practice plan that targets those areas. So you would go and spend maybe, let's say, if you've got three practice sessions a week, you're going to spend one of them solely on that that area, working on that hundred yard area, uh, hundred to hundred and fifty yard area. Then in your other two, it might be that you dedicate you know a little bit of time to it, but you also work on your other areas as well as you're going through those. So that's that's great for me to be able to do. Maybe we'll get into the the idea of exactly how you practice towards the back end of this this podcast now, but. The analogy I like using is the idea of diagnosing and prescribing as well. So yep. you mentioned there whether you're working with a pro or whether you work, you're doing it by yourself if you're knowledgeable enough. Yep. Would you say the idea is to, to first, I need to understand the, the technical problems, why I'm missing the green slightly right maybe every time and diagnose it and then probably get some sort of practice drill because at the minute I'm just saying, well, I'm missing from 100 to 150 yards. 
I don't really know how to practice or what the problem is. I could just go and hit 100 balls and they all miss right and I don't know how to fix it. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's it. You know, now that you've identified it, you know, we, we want that practice to be focused on it, but what are you going to focus on? Um, we need to find the root cause of it. So like I say, if it is with that pro, it might be you go and take a swing lesson, you show him this data and he says, right, okay, well, let's see you from 100 to 150. This is where we're going to spend, you know, the next two weeks or this lesson. I'm going to give you the the answer as to why you hit this right shot you know it might be that you're a big slicer that's starting you know 10 yards left of target and carving 40 yards right or you might just be hitting a straight push um but understanding why you miss it you know so you know whether it's club face path alignment you know whatever the issue is you find that out so then you've got some technical work to do so you can go and remedy this problem. You can go and see that, right, well, you know, when I've got a, a pitching wedge up to six iron in my hand or whatever it is, I focus on my face control. So instead of having my weak grip or my club face aimed um, to the right of target when I address it, I'm going to focus solely on getting my grip a little bit better as a starting point, or I'm going to start to learn to align it better and then start to monitor how this affects the ball flight. Is it still going right? Okay, well, we need to maybe find another drill for you, find another feel for you to start to see that the ball flight's changing and that you're not getting the um, the big right miss as you go through. But understanding it, yeah, is the first problem that you you know you need to co- um, conquer. And that'll be stage one, really, of of the learning journey, which I think we should just let everybody everybody know about now. And that would be. I suppose unconscious incompetence, wouldn't it? Because I'm missing to the right of the target. I have at the minute maybe no idea why I'm missing right. If I don't know how to fix it, then I'm not going to be able to fix it. Yeah. What definitely. would our what would our learning journey look like? Because again, some people might think <clears throat> that they can go into a lesson and all's going to be fixed because it's a technical fix. We know it's not that simple sometimes. Sometimes it can be. But what sort of journey and how long? Somebody asked the question a couple of weeks ago of how many balls something takes, but two two balls to get better but understanding this journey is is important so just take us through those four stages Matt yeah I think you know and it's it's a bit of a tongue twister when you say it and you know it's it relates to sort of understanding your problems having the mindset for it then having the physical ability and then coupling those together so as Tom said there you've got your unconscious incompetence where you don't know what you're doing and you don't know how you're doing it then you've got your conscious incompetent so I could say to you Tom your face your ball's going right because your grip's weak so the face is open all right so now you know what the problem is but you don't know how to fix it so that's where your incompetence comes in then we have your conscious competence where you get to a stage of practicing where you know I've told you that your your face is right because of such problem you then go and train your swing you understand what's going on and you've now fixed the problem and we can see that, you know, I could say to you, can you show me an open club face? Could you show me a close? Could you show me neutral? And you've got an awareness of what it is and you've got an ability to change them. And then your fourth stage is your unconscious competence. So if you, you know, if you were talking to a, a tour player and they were just chatting away and just, they could just have a conversation almost while swinging the golf club, not thinking, um, about what they're doing and still pull off that that um, shot that they were thinking of. So, you know, in terms of time and processes, everyone's different. It might take someone a week, you know, to get the the um, 
into the second stage or it might take them you know a couple of weeks to progress into the second stage and then another couple of weeks to get into the third stage um what i would say is that you know if you're looking for the quick fix it'll be a quick fix but it'll quickly come back to being the problem again so you're not going to walk into a golf lesson or walk down to the range and you know watch one of my videos or whoever's and take this problem go and fix it and then go out onto the golf course and all of a sudden you've never sliced the golf ball ever again you know it doesn't work like that um what we would see is that you know you probably spend a bit of time at the range it might be you know two to three weeks finding this feeling um, depending all depends on how much time and effort you're putting into it as well if you have one lesson and then don't pick a club up until you stood on the first tee in the medal on a saturday that swing change that you made in tuesday night lesson isn't probably going to be in there you will have reverted back to type because we're humans and we like comfortable um, things and we just fall into habits and routines so on that you know it's a, a, a process of you know what you what you put in you get out but the sort of the journey as it would go sort of a not a typical one but what you you know we tend to find as coaches it would be that you know let's let's use you as a scenario tom that you come for your lesson on your tuesday you are a good student you know you go and practice twice a week you maybe have one game a week as well um and you come back to me in two weeks time we're probably going to start to see that you've um, crossed into that maybe even to that third barrier or just starting to break into it on the range this is so yeah it's, it's gonna depend on what it is you're changing as well yeah. if it is a very simple fix if it's maybe just something where you'll say to me tom i want you to go and make your grip slightly weaker in your left hand that's something i can do wherever i am it's something i can get used to doing without being at the range in that environment yeah and i don't necessarily need to be swinging the club to do it Whereas if you're trying to get me to get a specific impact position at full speed, I've got a lot more things that need to fall into place to get me there. I, so I've it's going to take a lot longer. I've just taken my first lesson in a year. And he told you to quit. He did say, do you like fishing? Um, <laughs> to which I said, yes, actually, I do. Um, no, but I, well, I just totally off subject here. Uh, well, it's not off subject, actually. Um, I took a lesson last week over skillist on the on the app i teach on what a plug that was um and he Shame, shameless shameless plug drop it in um the the coach who i'm working with even just changing my setup obviously lockdown been sat on the couch a lot not been stood in golf posture a lot so i got quite saggy in my knees and just sort of looking sat down into it and even just standing in the mirror and changing my posture, getting it back to being more upright in my legs um, and not having my um, sort of my shaft so neutral as I, I stand to it. Even that's taken me a week to get used to. Just, just actually standing there and thinking, not even hitting balls, just yep. thinking, get in the mirror and stand in this new position, as it were, as Baden wants me to get into. And it's like, oh, I'll go back down in the, like, say, two days later. I, I hit some balls the other day. And this morning I was just like in the house and club lying about and I picked it up and I automatically wanted to reverse to Yeah, and if we relate thingy. that to the to the learning journey you've just been talking about, when yeah. he instructed you to stand like that, you probably felt really uncomfortable. Yeah. You probably didn't know what you were supposed to be doing at first. You'd done it a little bit wrong. You yeah. had to correct your change what yeah. you were doing. And that was your 
incompetent and you were unconscious about it because yeah. you didn't know what you were trying to do. Yeah. And then now you're probably, by the sound of it, you're still reverting back very quick. So you're probably in between stage two and three at the minute, aren't you? Yeah. And that's taking you, yeah. what, a week, a week and a half? Yeah, a week. And, and trying every day, maybe? Every other day, I every would say. Day. Yeah, probably 20 minutes a day. So you would hope that by the time you get to your next lesson, you're maybe in, in stage three of that and what you will find. Yeah. And what I tend to find with people I teach as well is you will probably have as a golfer the same set of two or three faults or tendencies every time. So you may yeah. feel in, in five years you'll be going, God, I'm practicing the same thing five years later. Yeah. That's because the reason you have them faults is because your body is built to have them faults or you do things in, yeah. in life or in swing or you have ideas have around it. the golf swing that makes you have them faults. You're not going to have an over-the-top swing fault as your tendency. And then in two years' time, you've practiced so much that you revert to something that drops really far on the inside. You're probably always going to go back to that same habit. Yeah. And yet it can be frustrating, but it's better than having a stab in the dark and you fault every every year. Oh, yeah. When you look at like some of the some of the stuff we see come to the academy and... Um... You know, especially for myself, when people have tried every drill that I, you know, I've put 160 videos out last year on golf swing, and there's people who have probably tried every single tip yeah. in video, and they only need and, one of them, and they only need one of them, and you think like, God, what, what, what are you working on there? And like Tom said, there, you'll always fall into tendencies. It's funny, my my dad's been coaching for, oh God, 40, what is he now? Six, it's 42 years, and he's got. Um, He's a good coach as well. You should have yeah. turned out a lot better at the game. I know, I know. <laughs> Other things led me astray. Um, he, he's he got clients who come to him from like 42 years ago and he still categorises them in his mind. And he would see like, say, if I, uh, Tom with Fearing was going to him, ah, Tom, yeah, weak left hand, bit slidey. And when they come in after 10 years, they've still got the same fault. So it is, you, you're, I always think your golf swing's very much like your personality. You, you doesn't really change that much and you'll always have these traits like oh yeah he's a bit of a joker or oh very you know time very time always on time and stuff like that and your golf swing always falls into these traits so having you know when we're getting into the you know back into those stages when you're wanting to go from conscious competent to unconscious competence it's probably when you just get those things in line when you get a, a grip of your yourself again and you think right okay I know what I'm meant to be doing I've got this feeling and that's it and you'll you'll probably as as you jo like your, your golfing your golfing journey goes on and I, and I found it definitely especially with the the lesson I had as well the other week my my tendencies were I was always a strong strong grip big slider played a block or a hook or a really nice draw change to a fade I've overdone a little bit of it but my strong grips creeping back in, so I was starting to see like I hate a pull hook, yeah, and that was starting to come back because I've got the elements of the fade, but then my poor grip was coming back because I've not. And that's not, how simple it can be yeah, to all of a sudden that's twenty years of, get, of playing. Yeah, it's how easy it can be to see something change, and mm. you're seeing a golf ball land thirty yards away from where you maybe would have expected it because it's that, gone left that, instead that's of the left fade, <laughs> and then it would be very easy to be clueless as to why and mm. not know where to go with it. And as you've just said there, it's just very simple, the fact that you've slightly overdone one element and kept the old good element of the fade. Yeah. Just to relate it, because a, a couple of people maybe haven't had this 
journey yet with with golf and they mightn't quite understand the learning journey or the, the process you go through but it's not just this isn't just a golf theory this isn't a golf learning journey and the no. best way i always relate it to is most of you will have learned how to drive who are listening to this and when mm. you did you first got into a car and you no, probably it. probably in a car park yeah. in the most open space you could find yeah and the driving instructor's gone go on turn the ignition on and put the clutch in and you might not even know you what are. the clutch is where the ignition is so you are completely unconscious unconsciously incompetent yeah. over time you'll become you'll start driving around the car park but the the clutch is bouncing a little bit and you yeah. you may be missing a gear or you're grinding the gearbox and then you that's the frustrating part you know what you're trying to do yeah you just haven't got the coordination to do it yet. Yeah, you're not flowing. You get onto the next stage and he goes, okay, we're going on the road. You're out there on the road with your driving instructor and you are thinking about everything. You're yeah. wondering whether, you're analysing everything around you. You're, yeah. you're not having a conversation. You don't want the radio on because you are solely focused on not crashing your car. Mm. Nowadays, if you've been driving for maybe even a couple of months in, you might drive home from work and you'll think, I don't even remember that journey. You've had the, you've had your hand freak on talking to your mate or you've... Yeah. Been, had the radio on, having a sing and a dance. Hopefully not a dance with the arms. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. But safety first, kid. Over time, you, all of a sudden you just your clutch goes in, your gear yeah, gets you, changed, you, everything's yeah, as smooth you, as anything. You pull up at home and you think, God, how did I get here? Yeah, like, I don't. I, I can't even remember leaving work. And that's something I think everyone can relate to. Just thinking of this, of this journey, trying not, and like I say that second stage can be the most frustrating one because you know what you're trying to do. Yeah, but you and can't quite do I, you it. Know, I think we said it last week as well. It's such a hard, you know, it is a proper game golf. It's so hard, and you're not the only one in this boat as well. You know, when you go for a lesson or you're trying to do something, even if it's on your own, as long as you've got the, you know, you're working on the correct things, it's going to take time. If it was easy, we'd all be on tour. You know, we'd all be up there with Justin Thomas this weekend playing at Bay Hill. But you know, that's one of the the beautiful things about the game is that. It it's that difficult and it just, you know, really knocks you down a peg now and again, but everyone's in the same boat. So don't don't go thinking that making a change is gonna be literally going to a golf lesson, you walk out an hour later and you are like a flusher. Yes, you're gonna come out better, but it's gonna take some work for you to maintain it. Yeah. So let's just just move on there and just talk about what type of work we have to put in, what types of practice we can do. There's There are a few different ways of practicing and you shouldn't stick to just one of them, should you? We've got a, because um, we've got, we're going to talk about blocked practice, varied practice, and then kind of games for learning. Pressure slash, practice. Pressure practice yeah. Yeah, in, the, in the same sort of boat. So I'm going for a practice session based on what I've learned from missing the green a little bit. How yeah. should I, how should I structure the hour? I've got an hour or I've got, 120 balls and I know when we were at the driving range last time we done it I think you done a video on this when I was um I was recording for you and we we split the golf balls up into into groups and sections didn't we yeah so how, yeah. how would you expect up what do you think the most uh successful practice session should be and just tell me with what you'd start with every time because I've got an idea what I'd, I like to see people start in every session with um well, you know, if you, you've got to start off with some warming, some stretching, some maybe just fine. I, I like sort of rhythm training. That's exactly what um, I was going to say. You know, uh, I think, it's, was it Hogan, uh, who only used to practice with a nine iron before he went out 
sure it was Hogan. Oh, right, okay. He only used to hit 9-9 before going out in any competition just because he thought that was the club I always have my best rhythm with. So if I get my swing in a good rhythmical place, I know where it should be. At least I'm flowing and I'm, and I'm good to go. This is obviously before a tournament ride, so it's different to a practice session. But... The, you know, you don't want to go down to the driving range. You've got, let's, let's call it, um, 60 balls that you've got. You don't want to spend your first 10 whacking driver as hard um, as you can and be, you know, pulling a muscle. You know, you want to spend your, probably your first 10 golf balls, maybe just with a little wedge, just flicking a few off and just... Um, yeah, people seem to think if your golf ball doesn't see the back half of the field, it's a wasted golf ball, yeah, isn't it? But I'd yeah. like to see. I mean, we've we've Fine got a great face. little setup. Yeah, we've got a great setup at Trafford where we've got a few flags at 40, 50 yards, and just stand there with the first few, get your sand wedge out, and just give it some quarter swings, half swings, like you've just said there. Find the sweet spot, find the rhythm for the session, get yourself relaxed because it's one thing that people can't really keep consistent and. I still think that's why we see such different results day to day in our game because one day I might have really good tempo in my swing. Yeah. The next day it might just be slightly off. My technique's not changed hugely in one day. All no. I've done is gone home, had my tea, gone to bed and woke up again. My technique's the same. Yeah. But what will have changed is maybe my physiological time, state. Yeah. I'm just a little bit not stretched as much or yeah. I'm a bit tired. What that's going to change is rhythm and that's going to be the exact answer as to why maybe the golf club face is staying a little bit open today or yeah. closed today, whatever Just it might not be. Just get it in the right slot at the right time, yeah. So getting that so, rhythm in place at the start of your session is huge. Yeah, so from there then, I, I, I per, like my personal journey as it would be, I, I go down the sort of block um, technical practice. You know, you've gone there and I'd always say, you know, on this, have something. We've all got smartphones nowadays with a note section and all the ability to write a note, even if you've, it means taking a notepad. Um as you as you go through, write down. You know what is that block practice? So like that um, example we used for Tom before is face is too open. So he's working on, let's say, releasing the club face a little bit more. He's been holding it forever because he's a slicer. So he's going to go and work on releasing the club face. So he's going to spend the next twenty balls working on um, his his release. So pick and- your target. And in those 20 balls, Matt, am I standing on the mat, letting the power tee bring a new ball up for me? And Hell no. Again? What am I doing? How long no. is each ball going to take? I think, you know, that's that's one of the other things, isn't it? Like I always allude to it as like an artillery range. It's like do, 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 balls just going out every, every 10 seconds. If you're trying to change something, obviously, in your golf swing, you've done it thousands of times already. If you're a slicer, let's say, you've chopped across that golf ball and held the club face thousands of times. So you're just standing there with no rehearsals, no slow like slow motion. The amount of times you ask someone to say, can you just do the slow motion of that? And they just swing full speed. It's quite unbelievable. A lot of the time, isn't it? Yeah. My pet peeve's that. Um, <laughs> Whack! Yeah. Was that slow? All oh, right, okay. Um, but if you could just get like, having three or four real slow-mo swings off the mat and understanding, you know, well, when that club now is behind you, say, a little bit more and you're feeling your lead wrist getting a little bit more bowed on the way down instead of cupped and where it's travelling and what that feels like to you, you're going to get awareness at 10 miles an hour. It's you're that, not at full speed. It's so. that feel versus real, isn't it? Yeah, And exactly. we can we can try such a exaggerated feeling 
in a pre-shot routine yeah. or in a practice drill, yeah. you're gonna look nothing like it when you try and move oh, that golf club yeah. at full at speed. But you Alex might feel Norrin. like you are. Yeah. Alex Norrin, perfect yeah. example. Want to use Big all the time? Big turn, club outside his hands by like 45 degrees. When he swings it, it's parallel, perfectly yeah. behind the eyes on his hands. So when you're going through that technique, you know it's not it's not um, quantity or time. It's the quality. So if it takes you, you know, half an hour to hit your 20 balls because you're having two, three slow motion swings in between, so be it. You just make, you know, maybe have 10 balls and then 10 balls on your next section and 10 balls on your next session if you're limited for time, but make it quality. Yeah, there's a lot of studies out there as well that say after, after four balls, four to five balls, you start losing focus naturally on what you're doing. So that's where you need to change it up maybe just and when i say change it up all i'm saying is maybe change the club because that's going to make your setup slightly different yeah um or it may even be go change to the back of your bay yeah. grab yourself a coffee and give yourself helps that helps that learning journey in your brain it helps your brain register what you're trying to do rather than just going and going again because what it does is it's it's making you have to think back to two minutes ago and remember. Yeah. Whereas if you're trying to think back to five seconds ago and remember, you're trying to repeat. Yeah. And then three days you go to the golf course, you've got nothing to repeat because nothing yeah. happened five seconds ago. Yeah. Or oh, you've got that? five oh. minutes between a shot. Yeah. So what you're doing is you're training yourself to go back to five minutes ago and make your body do the same move. Yeah. I think the like the range mats are great, particularly in a way that they they are a box, aren't they? And around that box you've got space. Yeah. You know, you're in a bay and the bay has, you know, room for you to come off it. So have your rehearsals off the mat. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a mirror behind your bay. Great. You know, get some feedback, get some feelings. Then step back onto the mat, which is like sort of go time, as it were. Hit the shot, come off the mat and then go back into sort of your reflective space. You mentioned last week, didn't you, on a, um, one of our listeners' questions and they were speaking about losing focus yeah. on the golf course and you spoke about maybe getting into that hitting zone or something. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. And you could use the math for the exact same thing, yeah. come off it, do whatever I do you that quite a lot with in. my lessons when I'm trying to get them to do something. If you've got a guy who's a, or a girl who's like just a serial whacker, they come into your lesson and just want to get through as many golf balls I'll, as possible. I'll put the basket of balls at the back wall sometimes. Yeah, and they've got to go take and them the off. Yeah, so right, we've got 10 balls, you've got to come off the mat every time, you've got to tell me the shot you're about to hit, what, or you know, what, where's the club going to be? And then... Afterwards, oh, like you always get. Do you know what that really helped? That because you're thinking, aren't you? When you yeah. when you make your same golf swing that you've made for the past three years, you're not really thinking. It's like you just fall into routine a bit, like what Tom said with driving home. You know to turn left at that roundabout and go right at the lights. When you grip the club, you know to throw it over the top and chop across it. As where if I say, can you get it behind you? Can you release it a bit more? You're going to think about it. Yeah, and what so. you find with, with saying that to people of focus on every shot is people think they're either not good enough yet to really call that shot because it's not going to happen anyway. Well, guess what? The pros don't hit it the exact way they no. want to every time. Otherwise, it'll go in the hole every yeah. time. You've got, it's to, about, you, you've got it, to have intent, haven't you? Yeah, so st- every shot, again, needs to have that purpose no matter what it is you're doing. Uh, right, let's just keep on track because we could probably go for hours on this. You've hours? Said, you said block practice. Um, yeah, then so move into some block random. Block practice is just, just to clarify, it's the drill that the pros give you. Yeah. It's hitting the same shot every time, maybe to the same target. Yeah, and what you're trying to thing. do is really grind in that movement. Yeah. All right, next one. 
go into some random practice then. So you've had your you've had your time working on that that movement. So now it's time to sort of put it under a little bit of, of a test. Can you just go through different clubs, different targets? Because you can get into a rhythm with your block practice. You know, if you get the <clears throat> the seven iron that you're using, six iron wedge, whatever it may be, you, you get comfortable with it and bang, 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 you start getting into this nice little um, nice little slot. Unfortunately, golf's not like that. We hit it off a tee, we progress to a fairway, hopefully we get to a green chip putt and everything's different each time. So, you know, going the next 10, 15, 20 balls, whatever it may be, every, every ball that you hit is to a different target with a different club potentially takes a little bit of tension off technical doesn't it and yeah you're still still results. focused on it because you want to you want to test it out like i've got it with that wedge Ooh, can i do it with a you know a seven iron can i do it with a five iron now that there's a little bit more loft involved and mm-hmm. um, can i still maintain it because it'll start to show up if you've not quite got it yet so that would be the random, just basically, you know, as simple as it is, just randomizing what you're doing instead of doing the same thing repeatedly. And then from there, um, and this is probably where I think if we looked at juniors at a golf club that get good over summer quickly, yes, they're playing loads of golf and they're at the golf course all the time, but what they're doing, and, um, you know, what you see a lot of the tour players do as well now. They're having comps against one another and they're actually, it means something, there's a bit of pressure. So this is where the pressure training comes in. That work you've done, building up the technique, randomising it. Can you do it now under the gun? Because how many times have you heard, you know, I'm great on the range, but when I get a card in my hand, I just can't do it. Yeah, I think you you mentioned juniors there is a funny one because I suppose it's the the natural attention span of a junior is actually a benefit. And what you find is, Adults seem to think I've got to do this hard work grind. Maybe yeah, thousand maybe golf not even balls. fun. Yeah. yeah, and and they'll maybe be there going, well, no, no pain, no gain. I'm just going to hit the same seven iron mm. 150 times in a row because that's how to get better. Whereas the junior who doesn't even have awareness of the fact that he's practicing in a very good way, it's yeah. just this natural short attention span of a child that goes, yeah, I'm going to go and get me sandwich. Now yeah, I'm going to get the eight iron. Yeah, I'm going to try. Now I'm going to try and slice a seven iron around this tree because I'm bored. Yeah, It's amazing how much that creates. So standing on a driving range doesn't have to be same boring shot every time. You can go and stand there and just try and move the golf ball in different ways to different places and get that freedom in your swing and get that natural, natural ability so that when you are standing on a golf course and there's an obstacle in your way, you've it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Because it, like you say, you're not just standing flat ground, neutral ground, hmm. same target. Very that's, little wind yeah, all the time, are you? That's where I, when I look back on my playing career, obviously with my dad being a, a coach uh, at a driving range, I spent so many hours at the driving range or on the practice ground just hitting like three, four hundred balls as where well. I would yeah. have split 50% of that time up into some pressure training, yeah. which wasn't really that big going back, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah think you know probably would have been an even better golfer because my like I'd struggle a little bit when I got out onto the course thinking you know got every shot so important as well if you've put yourself under the gun in training yeah it then doesn't really matter that well it does obviously matter but you're more comfortable with the situation and you're not too worried about oh is my swing right is this right and I was more getting my swing looking great in the mirror looking great on the range and could flush it on the range but when it comes to 
you know, pulling the trigger on the course, it was a bit like, oh, well, what if my, well, where's the mirror firstly? And uh, what if it's not right? What if my swing's not right? Instead of just thinking, you lose well, the what's, ability yeah, to what's, fix yeah, when yeah, you're out in competition, yeah, don't you? Just get the ball round. You know, it's not, who's got the prettiest swing, is it? We're not playing that game. Not at all. So that does take us into, in, like you just said there, the competition or the pressure practice, which just as an example of that might just be, I don't know, let's say you're on the putting green and you want to put yourself a load of six foot putts around a clock and you give yourself the task to make mm. X amount. If you make it, buy yourself the your favourite cake on your way home. If you don't, then you don't get it. But you've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to reward success. You've got to maybe not punish failure, but you've just not to, you've got to quantify it in your own head. And then when you're standing over that six foot putt, you'll know what the feeling is. So if you need to get, let's say you need to get 10 in a row, if you get to number eight, mm. the pressure is going to be more stacked than missing number one because you make yeah. yourself start again. It's funny, funny you mentioned that. Like, I can remember it was the second to last game before lockdown happened. We were at Warrington Golf Club, me and the lads, and I turned up like half an hour early, finished, like, finished my lessons early. So I thought, Do you know what, I'm going to actually have a practice here. And one of my favourite putting drills is the like the star drill, where you put uh, a putter's length yep. away from the hole, then two putter's length, and yep. you have eight eight pegs, four short, four long, and as like this, um, the the aim is to start on a short one, go to a long one, short, long, short, long, short, long, and get all the way around without missing. So I did one attempt, got to like number six. Then one of the other lads turned up, what are you doing? So I said, oh, come and have a go. He started enjoying it. Then two of the other lads turned up and there was eight of us playing. By, I think about 15 minutes before our tea time, we'd all put a quid in and it was eight of us playing this game who could get round the quickest yep. or you got to get round and loser has to pay um everyone a pound or whatever it, no sorry everyone first one out took the money yeah but it was like pressure practice but everyone didn't realize it had loads of fun and there was like oh i'm gonna beat my mates this bit of rivalry that's the thing for and it, it was it? Like, like how much fun that yeah, was yeah it was it great was, you don't realize you're practicing to an no, extent no. you're just you're playing a game mm. and you will be getting so much better for it yeah rather than feeling like you've got to go and grind out a load of 10 yeah. footers by yourself with your earphones in on the practice green yeah. and think that's going to make you good good yeah. this weekend. It, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Yeah, you've got to make them just fun little games. You know, junior classes are obviously great for them because they're just thinking fun, fun, fun. And it is like Tom says, you're not, you're not really aware. But where, on that note, I would say when you are playing these games, keep a note of what you are doing. So if it is that star game that you you um, you play, let's say, on the Monday, if you go and going up to the golf club, you're going to give yourself three attempts and that's it. So you get all the way around to number seven, you miss it. So then on Wednesday when you go, you'll have in your phone, you know, start, say, if you give yourself a short game drill, you know, a putting game, short game, and a, a long game drill, you'll it'll say, you know, Wednesday, Monday, um, star game, six, six star or whatever you want to put it down so when you go on Wednesday you've got something to aim to beat then yep. so oh, oh I got to seventh star and then you can monitor and if something slips as well you've also got this little record of uh, of how your progress is going yeah that's the great thing about golf isn't it you can it's not only competing against other people you can really compete against yourself and compete against the golf course as well yeah so yes bringing other people into it will help but you don't necessarily have to all the time so the final thing for this, Matt, is we've just done a lot of structured practice there with a driving range or maybe a practice putting green. What about this week when I've got the Sunday medal? 
can I expect that that's all going to come into play? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna win. Win every time, then. Yeah. Because I put the practice and I put the hours in. Yeah, it's guaranteed. <laughs> we've got to we've got to do that pressure practice, haven't we? Like you just yeah. said, to be able to get to the course. Um, I want to just touch on the idea of practicing on the golf course as well, because people also Ooh, relate practice don't, to. Don't be doing that. <laughs> No, naughty. This is the problem. People also really practice to it must be at the driving range. And yes, we work at the range and it's great for certain things. Mm. But the real environment's the golf course, isn't it? So Yeah. And I th- I think another problem and I done it I done it for a certain amount of time, probably in younger days when I was a junior and I felt like every round of golf I went out on had to have a scorecard in my hand and I had to beat last yeah. week's score. Yeah. There's better ways to do it, isn't there? Rather than taking a scorecard out every time. Yeah. What what's some ideas that we could do out there on the golf course? Um, just to touch back on your first point there, when you're in on the Sunday medal as well, what can you expect? Yeah, you're probably not going to win it. Probably <laughs> not. No. I was tongue in cheek there. No. Um, you, yeah, you probably won't win, but you can you could start to see shades of what you've worked on coming through, and it is a a long process, like we've said. Um, yes, you might get some instant results, but it might be a little bit you know up and down, up and down, up and down. But I would go and expect you know if you could. Let's say if it like for Tom there, if he was uh, missing greens to the right, if he missed one less green to the to the right on that Sunday medal, great, that's an accomplishment. That saved me four shots because yeah. after that miss right, I duffed three chips. Well, there you go. So all I had to do was hit the green, two put, yeah, four perfect. shots. Better. So like there, if that if that, if it's that one because uh, you've got your stats again that you are keeping, you might start to say right, well, it's just coming down slowly, slowly. I like to sort of. Um, equate it to diets to my lesson you know you don't walk into the gym and say all right mate pt um that's how i speak to my pt um i want to lose some weight it's just as initials yeah pt um i want, I want to lose some weight i want to lose a stone and he goes okay right well we're going to do these exercises you don't walk out a stone lighter he goes right well you got to maintain your diet you got to maintain this and then you know four weeks and he says look at this you've lost like a quarter of a stone here then four weeks later Oh God! You got your half stone down, and that's the same with golf, really. And that would be. And what I do want to make sure of as well is that people don't think that every golf lesson, as well, sends you away probably a bit worse because you've got something to practice on. We're talking here about making swing changes. Mm. A lot of my lessons, and probably a lot of your lessons as well, won't you? I've got a competition this Sunday. It's more of a assisted practice session. We might change anything. It might be we're playing these games that we're talking about, or I'm applying some pressure and helping Mm. you out with that. We're just talking here about going for a golf lesson and there's quite a decent swing change that needs to yeah, be made. Yeah. We're not saying every golf lesson you go for, you're going to walk out, get worse and not win this weekend. Yeah. That's not the case. It it fully depends on, yeah, on what you you're are. doing at the time and where you are in your game. Yeah. And I think I mentioned it either last week or the week before. A lot of it will depend on the time in the season as well. And yeah. it might just be in October, you're probably going to grind out at the swing techno- technique. Yeah. And then... In April, May, June, or maybe coming up to your August month where you've got club champs, you're doing a, a session with your pro where you're refining your game and you may be doing these little on-course lessons or on-course yeah. games or practice session games rather than trying to get the golf club in the perfect position at the top. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, on-course games, like you say there, what could you do? Um, yeah, it doesn't need to be that every single game that you play is, right, we're, we're keeping a medal score today, dead strict, Every ball has to go in the hole. You can't, uh, if you lose one off the uh, tee, you've got to play one from wherever. Um, it might be that 
you know, you, you tee off on the first and you say to yourself, well, do you know what, today I want to work on my pitching a little bit while I'm out here. So every hole that I play, I'm going to drop a ball at, you know, 100 yards and then I'm playing nine holes. So I'm going to work all the way from 100 down to 10 yards, give myself nine yardages. And I'm going to do that on, you know, holes one to nine and note, you know, did I get up and down from 100 yards or how many it took? And if you've got nine holes, let's say, you know, if you're a, a, a mid-handicapper, if you gave yourself a, a shot count of 30, you know, how many times do you get onto the green two put? How many times do you up and down? And you can monitor it in that way. It might be you stand on the tee and you say to yourself, well, today when I go out and practice, I want to work on my driver a little bit. I've been, you know, missing fairways. So I'm going to Every, every chance I get to hit driver, I'm going to test myself as five fairways out there. My goal is to try and hit three of them, pick the shot that I'm hitting and monitor it in that way instead of just thinking, right, got to make four down here, got to make three get, down here. Get inventive with it. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's just as an idea of being inventive is if you are if you want to focus on your, whole, your game as a whole, then go and hit your tee shot, let's say your driver off the tee. If you miss the fairway, you've got to move your ball 10 yards back. If you hit the fairway, you can move your golf ball 10 yards forward closer to the green. Mm-hmm. If you want to make your putting better, then once you've hit the green, every time you get to the surface, you've got to move the ball 10 feet backwards. Yeah, And that includes, let's say, let's say you knock your approach shot to 10 foot, you've got to go 10 foot back to now you're 20 feet. Yeah. You knock your put to 2 foot, well, you've got to double that distance back, so you've got to move that back to 4 foot. Yeah. So your 2 foot put becomes a 4 foot put. They're just ways where, yes, your score's not going to be great. Your no. score's definitely going to be higher well, than normal. Well, you're not looking at But score, you're making the you? game harder for yourself. Yeah. And yes, you might say, well, playing that really difficult format, mm. I was 15 over par, whereas yeah. a player for handicap is 7. But yeah. then you might go and play that game again and go, well, I was only 12 under par this time. With those really testing conditions, I had to drop the golf ball back 10 yards X amount of times. I got to advance it. My putting's got a lot better because now that two-foot put mm. seems a lot easier. Yeah. It, there's just inventive ways like that. Yeah, even like playing the hole differently. If you know, if you're a member at a golf course and you you know always hit driver on the fourth and it's always a six or a seven iron, hit a three iron off the tee. Go in with a five iron now. See what you know what it's like then. Go and play golf with three clubs. Yeah, I, like I love that. that. Literally, yeah, half sets. Take odds out one week. Take evens out the other. No woods. Um, you know, you can only play golf with, you know, like you say, three clubs, different things. Take all your wedges out bar one. Yeah. So when you get round the greens, if you're missing them, you've got to find a way to use that 50 degree out of a, you know, a, um, a deep bunker, out of some heavy rough. It's about from a little forcing, chip yourself, forcing yeah. yourself into having to solve problems, isn't yeah. it? That's what the game is, solving a problem. Yeah, and again, that's sort of like the junior thing. When you are a junior and you get dropped off at the club and you're playing, you know, 54 holes in a summertime, you come up with so many different, against so many different situations and you're out there at like six, like I, I know when I was sort of 16 to probably 20, I would always be on the course till like eight, nine o'clock at night. And there's no one around, and he'd be like, "Right, I'm going to throw a ball down here. What can I hit out of this lie? And oh, right, I'm going to go over there. Can I make par from under the trees over here? And you just got to randomise it, and just it's not just peg it up, 18 hole medal. That is it. Because I think a lot of people's golf experience is is that they play on a Saturday. Yeah. They don't practice. They rush to the golf club. They, you know, playoffs. Let's say 14 handicap. 
and they shoot 15 over, 16 over, 13 over, and they just hover. But they're just doing the same thing, and, and that's and look, it. I get it. You've got you've, you've got wife and kids, and you've got time constraints. But there's also that thing of if you are playing this weekend and it's not a competition, then don't feel like that day where you go out and play one of those games where you're perceiving it as messing about. Yeah, you're no. not. You're actually practicing. So yeah. don't think going out with three clubs is is a waste of a good game of golf when you could have took all fourteen. Mm, it's more it, enjoyable. You got to be creative. Yeah, get get creative. Have fun with it. Don't be too harsh on your score. There's nothing to get riled up about. Whereas if you're taking your your medal score into account every time, you can go for a casual knock with your mates and annoy yourself. Yeah, because you you feel That's, like you're yeah, competition. we like we have like. Obviously, on the YouTube and stuff like that, you've seen like things like the Battle Golf and One Club Only, and those are more like some of the more entertaining and more fun fun games that we play. Even on cut, like we'll film at say like a Formby or somewhere, and you turn up like three clubs today, and you think oh, I really wanted to play here, but then when you get into it, it's actually a great little game, and you know you can have different. It doesn't have to be that that match play every time with your mates find a different way of changing the game up and do you know one I've just remembered actually which was quite a good one it was good to see uh, uh, um, European tour player playing it Alex Evans who plays at Bromber he done a, does a lot of videos of Paul Waring yeah and they play they play at Bromber and they played a game where you've you've got to call each other's shot so for example I think it might have been the third or fourth hole you would hit you'd probably lay up all day, par five. Yeah, par five, yeah. Par double, five into a corner, so there's kind of trees on the right. Yeah. And he's got 200 and something yards, and I think this was Paul Waring's got 200 and something yards. And Alex has said, right, two iron draw. Now, there's trees in the way of the draw. There's, It's not a shot you would ever pick. Yeah. You're in semi-rough. Yeah. Well, figure it out. Mm. Try it. Give it a go. Yeah. So go, go out with your playing partner, and if he always hits that lovely little fade into... The, yeah, the par three. Try and make him as a draw into it, or tell him he's got to take one club less and knock it down. Yeah. Make him pick a different club, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and it, you can have fun with it. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. There's that sort of uh, like um, the old saying Nicholas used to say, wasn't there? That I'll never try a shot in competition that I haven't ma- mastered in practice yet. Yeah. So if you're not practicing them, you're not going to master them. Do you think Justin Rose practices that bunker shanky done last week? I think there was a high ch- <laughs> like ran- this is really random like totally sh- like different story. When I was growing up, I was a member at SNA, and Tommy Fleetwood was a member as well. And like he was just so talented, and I've wa- wandered down to the practice ground one day, and he stood there, and he's like hitting these chip shots, and the the practice ground was pot bunkers, and like he's hit this shot, and I thought, oh my god, he shanked it. Like, this kid's, like, off plus four or plus five at the time. And I'm like, he's just shanked it. He's human. And I got down there and he hit another one. And I'm like, hmm. So, all right, Tom, chatting away. So, what are you doing? I'm just practicing this shot. Copying off you, wasn't he? He Yeah, he said, I've seen you and you are absolute (laughs) pap. So, I thought I'd give it a go. Um, But he was actually, like, he said, you know, sometimes I found that you get, I can't remember the exact words, but it was like, if you get up against um, one of the bunkers here, um, and you can't stand to it. I'm going to perfect like chipping with a shank. Right. So he was like, oh. go. The, he's aiming at the left flag, but hitting it to the right flag, and was like hitting these half hosels over no the, the edge of the bunk. I was just like, right. I think I just need to think about coaching now because yeah, uh, I struggle to even chip in a straight line. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, it is. It's amazing, is it? Just practice random stuff. It, yeah. You might perceive it as messing about, but yeah. it's really not. And it's something the kids have got an advantage over us because they are out there thinking they're messing about. Yeah, and they're not the practicing like Harrington, and they'll it? keep with them forever. So good. Like, like there's a story like Harrington throwing it into. I can't remember. It was like a. a like an old waste area or something like that. And they were saying like, oh, you can't play from there. He was like, no, no, I'm just going to try it around the putting green. It was like all rubbish and stuff. No, no, I'm just going to get it up and down from here, find a way. They all do it, don't they? The yeah. most famous story is is the Seve with a three iron from yeah, being whatever age it was. Everyone seems to know that. That story gets thrown yeah. around a lot of the time and it doesn't get thrown around for no reason at all. It's fact, he managed to play good golf with just a three iron in his hands. Yeah. So when he when he got given fourteen clubs, the game became easier. Super easy. Exactly. Perfect, Matt. That was a good section that we could have gone on for a long time. I think that's our longest coaching session we we've done. You're uh, welcome. But no, it was good. Enjoyed that one. Like I say, we could could talk about it for <laughs> hours and hours and hours. But just make sure you structure your practice. Make sure. Yeah, I think it's an area now that's getting more understood isn't it definitely like I say back in the day it was just going to stand on the practice ground at 500 golf balls you will become a good golfer definitely. as well now work smarter work um informatively you know got a lot of information so and if you haven't listened to last week's episode which is kind of where we got the scenario from for the start of this one we spoke about how you can collect stats yourself obviously it might seem like a hard thing to do if you if you're unknowledgeable on it but we yeah. made it quite simple in last week's episode so if you don't listen to things in order i don't know how you do that but go yeah. back and listen to last week's episode episode mm. number seven i think it was yeah shall we get into some listeners questions matt why not let's do it right then everybody before we continue i just want to say a big thank you to everybody who's already sent those questions in i hope the questions we've answered over the last few weeks have really helped you all out and then secondly i just want to remind those of you who haven't got in touch yet that you can do it by just clicking in the link at the bottom of this episode if you go into episode details you'll find all the social media accounts for myself and matt and more importantly you'll find the email address the coaches at gmail.com which you can send any questions into there also don't forget to subscribe or like from whichever platform you are listening on That'll make sure you get notifications of any new releases and you will never miss an episode. Guys, thanks for listening and let's get to this week's listeners' questions. Mark, question number one. Go. Uh, This is from Gary Stenner. I've been playing golf for a number of years. Oh, he's listening from Australia. All right there, mate. Originally from Aldershot. Makes sense why you put good day, guys, at the start. Uh Do you Uh, like my Australian accent then, by the way? Amazing. Chose to ignore it on purpose and you wanted to bring it up again, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) I've been playing golf for a number of years on and off and I've always wondered about the tee height and ball positions for irons off the tee Uh, he's fully aware of them for woods and hybrids basically the dilemma is when you get the chance to put the ball on a tee either laying up on a par 4 or you're on a par 3 laying up on a par 4 and you're teeing it up Oh, right, yeah, I thought you meant cool. like, like short the green. Yeah. Basically, Matt, we've got an iron. Yeah, we get the chance like, to put it on a tee peg. Yeah. How high am I teeing it? Oh, just however high. However high you um, are. Depends, really. Well, what I would say is like, if you're using a plastic tee, firstly stop and go to a wooden. Jokes. Um, I use a pink castle tee for my three iron. Oh, there, there lies the problem. It's got a lot of mark on the top well, of the face. Yeah. Do you roof it a lot? <laughs> what you should do is basically, it doesn't want to be like hovering high above the ground. It will literally, if, if we think of like a, a, a wooden tea peg when you've got like the cup of the tea, that's going to be the only little bit poking out. So 
I would say it's probably what half a centimeter above the ground. Like yeah. you get those green castle ones, don't you? Yeah. And even sometimes I, I think, think they're too high. Too high. I um, would say I you're hitting s- down, so it's going to be. Well, that's that's what I think I want to get at. There is even if you get the chance to put it on the tee with an iron, you yeah, still should be hitting yeah, down. And I don't think down. Yeah, don't think because I'm putting it. I get the chance to put it on a tee. I'm going to change my technique and try and lift it in the air. You yeah. don't want to. You give yourself what would be classed as the perfect lie. So if you find yourself that lovely flush piece of grass that you like seeing yeah, and you you tee your ball on it, that's kind of what you want to give yourself with the tee. Be almost like putting it on top of like a ten P piece, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah, just, like just a just a small amount because, like Tom said, there we're hitting down on it. We don't want to hit up on it. If you tee it up too high and hit down on it, you're going to get that top edge of the iron, and it'll feel horrible, go nowhere. Which is where a lot of people, if you haven't subscribed to Matt Fry Golf on YouTube, go do it. Par three mistakes. Um, people peg it up too high, make a great swing, but then catch it out the top and it falls like 15, 20 yards short and they're stood there scratching the head, but yeah. all because they've not teed it down correctly. Yeah, look, 99% of your shots with your irons are played off the ground and they're designed to do so. Yeah. So don't all of a sudden go changing it. Mm. Put it on a, on a tee as close to the ground as you can. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sending in and thanks for listening all the way in Australia, Gary. Yeah. wonder where he's from exactly. Do you, have Does a guess. Uh, Sydney. Older shot? No, like in Australia. <laughs> That's from where you are, isn't it? No, he's from Older shot, but now living down under. Yeah, but where in down under? Oh, um, I'll have a look properly in a minute. Yeah. Next question. Let, let us know, Gary. Uh, Paul Smotherman. Oh, Matt, you'll like this one. We, since we've got a little bit of a play with, um, some force plate at the minute. Mm. I see a lot of swing tips, but I hardly see anything on using ground force to help start your swing and get an extra power from the ground on the downswing. Could you please give us thought tips an important part of the golf swing? Now, before you start, Matt, this is a trend at the minute, isn't it? It's that was like yeah, it's a trend. Don't. Yes, it's something that we do. Yes, it's something that can possibly be thought of. Paul, I don't know what handicap you've got. It might not be something you want to start diving into straight away yes it can be good to understand it yeah but it's become uh fad over the last few years because yeah. we've got some players on tour who are absolutely jumping out of the skin at the golf ball yeah and like tom says there it is very very faddy and obviously this tech like personally i've just got a couple of body tracks um to coach with um, and do some youtube videos and facebook videos with um and it is it is very very faddy. I think the thing with golf at the moment is there is stuff becoming available, launch monitors, things. So everyone's trying to pigeonhole something. And then if you're talking like, oh well, let's talk about your center of pressure versus your center of mass, you can almost get a little bit of look how clever I am. As where if you're off twenty and you're trying to work at your ground force reaction, yet you really can't get the middle of the club face because you're struggling in that department it's probably not going to be that beneficial. Now, saying that, it is good to understand how, you know, the the movement of your pressure will help your golf swing create a good strikes, create power, create balance. Um, so, yeah, the, there is, you know, lots of stuff out there. People like Mark Blackburn are people, um, someone, yeah, someone to watch. Um, Richard Hughes, a guy in England who I'm going to go and see when... Um, lockdown's over he's very very knowledgeable on it um, but I've also got some stuff like I said I've just got a couple of body tracks so I will have some um, some stuff um, 
coming to my YouTube channel. It won't, and the big thing is as well, it won't be overly complicated. I think that's the thing with it. People who sometimes get into it, like I say, they try and think that you know they're a scientist and they're they're making it super super complicated when really it doesn't need to be. Yeah, look, what you can do is you can talk about percentage of mass going into the ground and everything. You look at the yeah. long drivers and how much force they put into the ground, which applies the reverse force and helps them hit it as far as they do because the reverse force comes back up out of the ground. But yeah. what you will find most golfers need to understand with the, if you put them on a, a force plate is... Where the pressure well, is. It's going from right to left because what you find is people end up falling back in the heels, forward to the toes, they sway way out to the right on the backswing and way over to the left. Yeah. So you will probably find that it's more beneficial for those visuals of where yeah, the pressure's going as opposed to the up and down pressure as Paul's asked for here. So there's definitely a part, a place for it in the golf swing. Yeah. But there's there's one key area I would say if you're looking at like to create more pressure. If you think of lead arm and club vertical in the downswing. So when you're swinging down, when your lead arm gets the parallel to the ground and the club's vertical, what you will find is that any good player or anyone who's hitting it long is at the maximum of pressure into the lead side at that point because they're getting just before impact ready to then burst up off the lead side as where a lot of players are late in doing that or too early moving it too much into the toes or heels like Tom says there but yeah it's uh, something that's a little bit faddy at the moment so it'll be interesting to see how long that lasts. Paul drop us a message and let us know your handicap as well just because it's interesting that a lot of people are asking about this and mm. for, all, for all I know you could be a scratch golfer and it's really interesting I have no idea but yeah let us know messages send us a message thanks for your question alright next up is is it Steve Stevington stop with your awful <laughs> fake names they're not even inventive Dave Davidson. <laughs> um, Pileguard Training has asked, what's the difference between hybrids and woods? Should a beginner have both in the bag? What's the difference between them? The difference the difference between them and should a beginner have both in the bag? Um, well, difference between your hybrid and the wood, I'm, I'm guessing he's talking like 3-4-5 hybrid and 3-4-5 yeah, wood because yes. obviously it's different to a driver. But... Um, Generally, if you look at the clubs, the shafts are going to be shorter on the hybrid. The head isn't um, as large. There isn't as much mass generally on the head. Um, you would see there's a bit more real estate towards the back of a, uh, a fairway wood. Um, you would get like a three hybrid generally that's about 18 degrees. And then you'll get like a, a three wood that's 15 degrees. The lofts vary slightly. And the fairway wood as well, depending on which one it is, is sometimes shallower in the face as well to help launch. Um, I think the, the four different jobs, um, the the fairway wood as it were, you know, nice nice lies on the fairway maybe a little bit of um tufty grass just into the semi rough or off the tee um that shallowness of the club used to like especially if you're getting into a seven wood or a five wood or a, like even like nine woods used to pop it up in the air very quickly get it high the hybrid is basically built as a long iron replacement so in the ye old days when um e3 iron was you know 20 degrees and your two iron was um 
18 degrees in a one iron was knocking around they were very very hard to hit you needed a lot of speed you needed great strikes to get them up and get them stopping on greens as where hybrids just easier to launch easier to hit than your uh, than your longer irons so depends what you're looking for and i would always say go and go and test them as well you know you might find that you have a three hybrid or a four hybrid, say four hybrid at 20 degrees and a seven wood at 21 degrees. That was the question I was just about to say then, Matt, is just explain the difference because they're the same loft, but yeah. they've got both, they've both got different uses, different benefits and different mm. faults, I suppose, depending yeah. on what type of player you are. Yeah, it depends on, you know, where you play your golf, what you're using it for. So everyone's very different. So should, should you know, beginner golfers have them both in the bag? Potentially, yes. You might find that, you you're more confident with a set of you know three five seven woods or you you struggle with them and you only have a, a driver and then you go to a three hybrid it's totally totally up to you but as long as you understand you know what each one's for i think the the hybrid's a great versatile club yeah there's the ability when they when they design a hybrid and for example when matt said there maybe you've you have a three hybrid now instead of a three iron or maybe mm. a four hybrid or probably go the same distance as a three iron is that they can't design uh iron to have a huge amount of forgiveness no. what they have been able to do over time is use crank the loft softer materials crank the loft give it a much better feel a much more forgiving if you strike a hybrid out the toe you're probably oh, going to get, get it, you yeah. get away with it it's going to go run down the fairway mm. gear effects going to come in and move the ball right to left yeah you strike a three iron out the toe you don't want it to be a cold day it's going to sting the ball's going to go nowhere so it's just given players the ability to make the game easier, mm. manufacturers the ability to give us products that can suit everyone. Yeah. So go and try them all out. I personally, um, apart from being an absolute ball striker, I'm You're also a, a traditionalist. Hybrids, don't you? <laughs> those those you Cleveland yeah. high ball yeah. ones with yeah, the big the sole. Yeah, go down to pitching wedge. <laughs> striker! Personally, I love a three iron. I'm better with a three iron than a four iron. But mm. I, I just enjoy it. Not a lot of people do. I think your longest to four iron, Martin, you go hybrid. Yeah, right? I switch. I switch. You switch I've it up got, depending on yeah, where you're playing, yeah. probably. I've got um, a three iron and a, a three hybrid. Yeah, I'll sometimes drop, depending on where I'm playing, I'll sometimes drop the three iron out the bag and throw a two hybrid in because mm. I'm, maybe I know I'm going to use it off the tee a lot more. Yeah. So your set makeup as such, it, it can depend where you're playing week to week, but it also depends on the type of player you are as well. Yeah. Good question. I like that one. Excellent. Uh, Matt, one other question I want to ask you just because we do like to do a little bit of topical. Go on then. I'll is, I've got one for you, actually. They might be on the same subject. Um, we've just seen the Players' Championship this week yeah. that got cut short yeah. a year ago, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Damn COVID. One of the most... We're nearly there. Shake fist in sky. I'll tell you what, after, once these restrictions are gone... I'm gonna ban gonna go the word the... COVID. I'm gonna ban the word COVID from vocabulary. Yeah. Not allowed to say it. No yeah. one in my company is allowed to say it. Just I want done with these it. Two years. Yeah. It's only been one. Don't make it longer than it is. Is it? Yeah. Feels like two. Uh seventeenth hole of Sawgrass, par three. Is it Mickey Mouse? We've or not? got yeah, kind of, isn't it? That's what I was gonna that's what I was gonna go down. Is it I wasn't gonna call it Mickey Mouse. I was gonna ask if the hole's fair, if it's I a got, fair I test of golf. Question Tourette's then. Blurted it out. Just jumped on it. Um ah, We've got an exact replica at the golf centre, haven't we? Which is the same distance away as the one at Sawgrass. Um, Plays just like And the it. same size as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, well, the size of the green is the exact replica. Yeah. Um, is it, yeah, you, like you've just said there, is it a Mickey Mouse hole? Is it a fair golf hole? I'm looking at the way it played this week. I mean, we watched Arn making 11 on day, was it the Thursday or the Friday? 
I think it was the Thursday. Thursday. Because then he celebrated hitting yes, the green on the Friday. The green. <laughs> it's just... And it's you know great. What I, it's do you know spectacle. what I've not appreciated about it? The undulation in the middle. That's why I asked That's whether the it's Mickey, Mickey Mouse. Because the way I see it, sat there on Sunday night, obviously wanted Westwood to win being an Englishman. Um, and I watched a few shots going in there and I watched you know the full round on 18 on Sunday sorry and a lot of players obviously air towards the middle of the green they're mm-hmm. trying to hit the hit the sort of spine and let it feed down to the right hand side um, to where that pin's always tucked over the bunker on the right yeah. but if it's like one yard to the left and then it goes goes trickling off down to the left you know you could be you know you pitch it two yards away from your target but you end up your first you book could go in the water yeah literally, well that's <laughs> club, that's yeah. where it was like you looked I watched Fitzpatrick great putter probably one of the best long that's putters exactly in the what game I was thinking of then. Yep. knocks it up and it goes like you think oh that's good it like literally just dies over the slope goes trickling down and it runs to like 15 foot and he's he almost got to the point where it was up against the fringe and he wasn't going to have you know, a, a yep. decent stab at a backswing, and he couldn't he couldn't line his ball up or anything. Could yeah, because he? he couldn't get behind it. Yeah, and then you look at like over the years that tiger better than most. It's better than most, and yeah. it you know catches the lip and goes in. If that hadn't gone in, that was in the water. Yeah, and it almost like becomes a not impossible, but a near impossible to put. Now I know they're only hitting wedging, but when it gets to that stage when the greens dried out. And if you're two yards away, and obviously Augusta's a bit like this, but not sort of so um, severe in, well, if you hit it there, you're fine. If you don't, it's it's yeah. a bogey. That is it. Augusta, you've got, you you go into little, well, apart from maybe you get 13, pockets, don't you, you run into, you go into little runoffs, don't yeah. you? Yeah. So. And it just, like, I watched it and I, th- I watched probably, I can't remember how many, but like four or five at least hit a very similar shot. That ends up on the left and the all three putted. Yeah, you do, know, do you know what day bit, I think it was? That's a bit stupid, that. What day I think it was for me is the first day rather than the last, as you've just said there, because with the last day, we know what we're getting. They're going to put the flag in that little... It's like its own little green yeah. on the right. And yeah. I think that one of the best shots of the day landed pretty much on the lip of that front bunker. Yeah, And that could have hopped down. straight into the water. It could have yeah. not. It's pure luck. Yeah. But I think on that day when Arn made the 11, and it was a case of we're watching players land... I don't mind that at the, the back. But but there's something that when you're watching the ball land top tier and it's firming off the back and you're yeah. watching people land halfway up the tier and it's spin back off the front, you've got to yeah. have a look. Yeah, it's there's got to be some leeway. It's got to be balanced. Yeah. yeah. It's like the, the um, you know, the third at Formby Hall. Or is it the second now? The second, the Island Green at Formby Hall, the par three course. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like they've got a big, like it's almost like an elephant under the green on the left-hand side. And you know if the pin's behind it on the left, you don't go near it. Yeah, because if it catches just you know slightly over there, it's gone into the water. So you'd always play to the right hand side, but you can hit it ten feet right of the flag, one bounce and stop. Yeah, as well, like you allude to there, the amount of players, and you know it should be more of a chasey shot that lands in the sort of into the tier and runs up. But yeah, they were, exactly. They were, they were pitching it pin eye and bang into the water. But you think there seem to be, and I don't mind the one that pitches. I don't mind the one that pitches on the top and bounces into the water. You've yeah. got aggressive. You've gone for it. What yeah. I do mind is the Sim. one that lands halfway up the hill and then spins into the water. Yeah. And you go, what you've actually given there is yeah. Fleetwood a did it, three didn't foot, he? a three yard window at best. Yeah. And it's got to have the right amount Big of spin. Enough, isn't it? You've got Adam Scott hit one, which seemed to land, I think, bottom of the hill and rolled up. 
quite nicely. Mm. It's very rare. He's of, he's had to hit a knockdown for that because he's yeah. not hitting a full pitch and wedge and it's without its spin. And so you've got a really controlled spin. Yes, they're the best players in the world. Yes, it's entertaining. You've got the crowd cheering mm. for it going in the water. And yeah. it's golf needs it That's... needs them to an extent because you've got the you've got the stadium hole at the Phoenix Open as well, which you've yeah. got I think nine thousand people around it might be yeah. more. And people you, you get cheered or booed whether you hit the green or not. Jackie, you did it. Yeah, the green's massive. I don't know how they miss. <laughs> oh, um, bold, bold. And then you've got Sawgrass, which, again, is it's more of a fan spectacle. Look how fun we can make golf. Do you think like that's where it comes into, that where it's been built in that sort of... Over the years, obviously, they've had the renovations and stuff like that. They've thought, well, this is the players. It's a huge, huge event. We've got X amount of people. This is the... It's the most known par three in the world, isn't it? You may argue like yeah, the seventh at Pebble so, yeah. Beach is yeah. probably up there, but this is like the one and the one that gets copied. So they say, well, we'll build it like this. It's the you know penultimate hole. There's going to be drama here. This is great for you've viewing. Got to, yeah, you've got to love it for that, and you've got to love it for the view. And and I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say get rid of it as a as an idea for a hole. Oh no, even get rid just of that flat, one. Just flatten the but spine a bit. It's the green. It's the yeah. You've made it a bit. I don't, I don't agree. I don't more. agree with someone losing. Okay, they've got they've got money anyway. It doesn't matter. But I don't agree with someone losing tens of thousands of pounds because the ball spun off the front and it shouldn't have. And if they landed three foot further, it's bounced off the back. Yeah. Or they've ended up with this horrible three putt that's like you say near impossible. We, we see Westwood and we're, we're rooting for Westwood on the, yeah, on the that's last right. day. Look at it and you think, and oh, you look and go, so he's, close. He's just left himself. Why? Well, he probably left himself eight feet for a second putt. Was it? Yeah. And he, he couldn't have done much putt. better. Yeah, couldn't have done much better. Yeah. And you go, does he deserve that punishment? Maybe you say he does for bailing out so far left. We didn't. Well, if you looked, I think Bryce, Bryson didn't fall back as much, did he? And he was like landed one foot to the right of him. Yeah, it. Um, we, we get different results in golf, of course we do. Yeah, um, it's the game. But but yeah, there's there's punishment there for for good shots. Hmm. There seems to be. That's what it is. There seems to be a big imbalance that there's more punishment for good shots than rewards for good shots. I think yeah. that's what it is and I think that's yeah. what you need to get with golf. You the need level. to, yeah, okay, punish them now and again but there needs to be a lot of reward as well. There doesn't seem to be with that hole. Mm. Mm. That's my take on it. But it's entertaining, isn't it? 16th, no, 12th August is probably a more famous par three. What would you rate out of all the, all the par threes like that are on tour, which mm-hmm. would you say would be the or the one you want to play the most? Which would you want to play the most in birdie? Um, mm, my head's on sawgrass now because that's what we've been talking about. Um, I think it's got to be the 12th, hasn't it, Augusta? It would be just because it's Augusta. Yeah. It's got to be. Or the postage stamp at Royal Troon, the 8th. No, I'd go... I'd go with Augusta. Mm. Anything, well, six, on, anything on Augusta. Mm. 16, you've got a good chance of holding one there, haven't you? Well, as we spoke about two, three weeks ago, it doesn't seem oh, yeah. to, like I've got any chance of holding anything ever on a par three. Maybe that's what you should so, just do, like, travel around playing par three courses. At some point, I'm just going to join Formby or par three and yeah. just play it every day. Would that count as a hole in one? No, we've discussed this. Have you? Uh, yeah, it's we, like not a, not a. We've got a lot official. of. Ca- in, in but it's a group, golf course. Yeah, in the group we've kind of spoke about the caveats, and a full par three course doesn't count apparently. Right, because um, you've got nine bites at the apple. But then, the and again, like I say, one of them got a hole in one by themselves, playing on their own. The other one thinned a six iron through a bunker. I mean, come on. Hey, um, still went in the hole. Still it went hole. down as a one. No, um, no, no pictures on the scorecard. 
I, I, no, I'd feel like I cheated the system a little bit if I went and played a par three course over and over again. Mm. Um, mm. I'll do it. I'll do it one day at a proper time, and it'll be when worth no the wait. When, it'll be worth the wait when I'm <laughs> sixty-two years old. That's what it is. I've I've come to the conclusion that I'm gonna have to wait till I'm about sixty-five. Yeah, and I'm gonna hit a rolling five wood in that carries about one forty, <sighs> rolls the rest of the way, rolls another forty yards, and just trickles in. That's it. I I played with it like. A member off topic. Well, it's not off topic. Uh, I played with a member at Warrington once, and we're in the in the medal. I think it was like Captain's Day. I won't name the player's name. And he's never had a hole in one. Stood on the sixteenth tee at Warrington. Now, if any of the the members of Warrington are listening, you'll remember back in the day um, that there was just like this horrible wooden fence around the sixteenth. It was all like broken because on the sixteenth on the left is two. Um, two water towers underground reservoirs um, and this lion monument that the lion family gave to the course. But um, basically, if you went left of the wooden fence, you were out of bounds. And he stood on the tee and he's got a good round going in this captain's round and felt a bit of pressure. And he hit this horrible sort of like five iron. It's only about 160 to the flag. Horrible toe hooky ratter thing going out of bounds. And... You can't see the green that much. You can just see the base of the flag when it's back right. And it's clattered the fence, hit it full on. And I've jumped, like, sort of jumped on the, the divot box. And I, I see it come streaming across the golf, uh, across the green and drops in the hole. And I turned to him and said, oh, my God, it, it's gone in. And he's like, why would you joke with me? I'm a junior <laughs> at the time, like 16. Why would you joke with me? I've never had a hole in one. I said, I'm not really bothered if you got a hole in one or not, but it's it's gone out. I'm hitting a provisional. What a horrid trick to play on someone. So I'm thinking, well, you're a bit of a dick. Please tell me he did. Uh, he called provisional. That's a shame because that would have been so funny if he didn't call yeah, provisional. Yeah. Sorry, mate. That's a five. <laughs> that's three off the um, But yeah, it's a provisional title, whatever, and um, hits this like um, stinker of a shot, like short right in the bunker. Marches up the hole in a, in a tantrum with me. We get there. I said, you're going to go and get your ball out of the hole then? Uh, I've told you. Gets up there. And obviously it's in the hole. And he picks it out. Oh, I'm so sorry, Matthew. Oh, I, I just never had a hole in one before. I can't believe it. Oh, it's just like, yeah, I don't want to talk to you, mate. <laughs> that was that. But you want to get a well, hole in one when it's proper, don't you? There's a good break. I'm going to finish it off now because we've been we've been talking for a long time for this one. Okay. Did you see the bad break that DJ got? The speaking of the 17th on Sawgrass, he hit mm. the flag. Did he play this fly, week? On the fly, and it bounced straight into the water. Oh yeah, it was that like Friday. It was when it was fr- it must have been it was front yeah. left at the time. Yeah, and he's it whatever he's hit in, yeah. balls come down, hit halfway up the pin, straight off into the uh, into the water. Did you just say did he play this week? Yeah, well, literally I didn't see him on a leaderboard, so I didn't. No, know. he's not been up there. That's how good television coverages of golf. So. Right, Matt, yeah. that's a podcast. Um, that is a podcast. That was good, an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. I don't normally like spending more than half an hour with you, so we've done well. Yeah. Bye. See you later. <laughs> um, we'll be back next week with some more coaching. Send us your questions again, as always. Um, there were some very good questions there. We like to answer them. Um, we'll see what happens this week for something we'll, topical to talk about. Yeah, we'll do um, an Instagram Live soon when we, well, when we can get outside or be together Tom together mm. and we'll answer some questions so if you aren't already following the podcast channel go and follow that as well and uh, me and Tom will do uh, a live Q&A one day for you on there see you next week <laughs>